You're listening to the Gateway Franklin Church Podcast. To learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, including our service times here in Franklin, Tennessee, visit us online at gatewayfranklin.com. And now, here is this week's message. Inner peace, patience, not the, I love the breakout, not the ability to wait, but how we act while waiting. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature together with its passions and appetites. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature together with its passions and appetites. So he's, he's showing you a dichotomy. Who, who benefits from this fruit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Who benefits from that? It's a trick question. Someone answer it. Yeah, I do. You do. Right? I benefit from this. The fruit of the Spirit alive in my life, dude, that's good stuff, man. That's life-giving stuff. The other stuff takes life. Fruit of the Spirit gives life. But it doesn't just give life to me. It gives life to you through me. Right? And so this is a comparison, he says. You can live by the old nature. This is going to be dead stuff. And you can, you can be dead if you want to be dead. But basically he's saying, if you've walked away from the dead stuff, let the dead stuff stay dead. Don't keep picking up dead stuff. You go picking up dead stuff, it's just going to stink and get messy. Let dead stuff be dead. Live in the light, living stuff. Leave the dead stuff alone. It sounds so logical until you get yourself in the middle of something, and then you have to recognize, oh, that's dead stuff. And I think it's okay to pray, Lord, let the dead stuff stink, loud, stink more now. I've prayed that. I've prayed that for people. Doesn't that a loving pastoral prayer? Father, just let it stink so much in what they're doing right now. You know, let it be so, so miserable that they just don't want to be around that dead stuff no more. You know, and if it stinks bad enough, then you'll, you'll stay away from it, right? Hey, no amount of perfume or bath sanitizer can take stench out of stuff, right? And so it doesn't matter how much the enemy makes it, makes it uh, appear or smell. You know, my prayer is it just smells as dead as it really is so that we will, we will live, walk habitually in the Spirit. So believe it or not, that's just part one of part one. That got a little faster from here. Um, the A of swim laps is abide in Christ. Abide in Christ. The degradation of truth has now hit warp speed, hasn't it? Culture is replacing truth with perceptions and, feel, and feelings. As such, hope is plummeting. Now, I want you to follow my logic. If hope, I mean, if truth is a moving target, there's no anchor in it. No anchor. So because we're removing truth out of the equation of culture and we're removing Christ out of that truth as that anchor, well, it makes perfect sense that hope's all over the map. So, so who is determined, and the next question I get from people sometimes when, I'm, when I have great conversations with someone who's not a believer, it's, well, you know, well, who's truth, Right? All right, well, I'm going to stick with one, and I'm going to put all my eggs in that one basket. And so far, I've been doing okay with that one. The truth in Christ is found in Scripture. All right? So to abide in Christ means I sit in it. I remain. I build my home here. I'm still in it. This, this is where I am. I am abiding. I'm sitting in Christ. It's why the Life 180 plan, right? The reading the Bible through in 180 days to change your life 180 degrees. Is it hard? Yeah. I mean... It takes discipline to sit down 30 minutes a day or whatever and read the Bible. 
Um, and I did it twice in one year. And then I started this year, I started the just, I would say 60 days ago and reading the New Testament through in 40 days. It took me 60, 60 days this time to do it. It's not about me hitting that mark every time, but I wanted that persistence of abiding in Christ. The quintessential passage of Scripture here is John 15. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither you can bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So I've got to abide. I've got to sit. I've got to settle. Um, um, all right. Um, Malcolm Gladwell, he popularized the idea that it takes 10,000 hours to become uh, kind of an expert in something, right? And so to think that we can, we can walk in the Spirit and that we can live in fullness of Christ, then we can become a hopeful person and not be persistent in the pursuit of that, it won't happen, guys. There's, there's too much opposition to it that we walk in and live in every day. That it, it, it takes a concentrated effort on our part to abide and remain and be transformed by the truth of Christ. It, it, it just does. And anybody that tries to sell it simpler or shorter than that, they're not telling you the truth. This is an all-out war that the enemy has against the kingdom of God. I mean, it is a full onslaught. And just because in the West he does it differently than he'll do in other parts of the world, doesn't, doesn't mean it's not that much more of a, a or that is, that is not a, a hard fight. Abide in Christ. And so this takes us to the P. And laps, swim laps, persistent detox. Persistent detox. Um, Jesus told his disciples they were to be in the world, not of the world. The way I would interpret that is to say, he said, you, you're living here, I've got you here, I've placed you here, there's a purpose for you here, but the world will try to mess you up. The ways of this world are not my ways. So, but you're going to be smack dab in the middle of it. So you're going to have to pay attention to detox all of the toxins that the enemy and the culture all wants to put in you. So how then you, how do you go about persistently detoxing your life? Romans 12, Paul tells us, he says, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters by the mercies of God to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourselves set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. Let me pause there. He's saying, Jesus gave everything to us. Everything. Part of him didn't die on the cross. All of him died on the cross. Okay? He gave everything. This is the extreme act of love. It cost him something. All right? In light of that, are you really going to withhold anything from him? In light of that context, what, what part of you are you not going to give to him in worship? How are you going to carve that out? See, this, this doesn't make any sense to me. He says, logically, the only logical response here is if someone gives their whole self to you, then you give your whole self to them. This is your logical, intelligent act of worship. Don't be conformed to the, this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, 
but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So how do you persistently detox? He tells us, one, it's a whole self-offering. I give all of me to all of you. Say that with me. I give all of me to all of you. I give all of me to all of you. I'm going to start this week, every day this week, I'm going to repeat that phrase. I give all of me to all of you. I'm going to see what it does for me this week. I give all of me for all of you. The second piece is nonconformity. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. Every time the world tries to push you into their mold, the best parts of you get left outside. Do kids still play with Play-Doh? Do we have still, right? You take Play-Doh, you take a mold, you push it in, there's all this stuff left over. All you get is what that mold told you you're going to get. Every time we conform to the world's patterns, we get stuff left out. God leaves nothing out with us. He transforms all of us. He don't just take some of us and stuff up go the way. And every time you conform to the world, some of you gets left out. Every single time. The last is continual mind renewal, that we got to continue keeping the truth of Christ inside of us. We continue to keep the truth inside of us. Uh, I, one of the reasons why I think this is such a big book is it's, um, I'm probably 50 years, a little over 50 years, and there's still stuff I just don't know. And there's stuff that I might remember what it says. I don't remember where it is. So that's not that big of a deal. No, it's not always that big of a deal. can be at times. Where'd that go? Right? Proverbs 18, 17 says, the first in a lawsuit to present their case seems right until someone comes and cross-examines it. Who is going to cross-examine the stuff being peddled right now? Who's going to cross-examine it for you? The only way that I know it's not true is when I know the truth. And remember I said that we can, we can all know God. God's knowable. Let me see if I can remember this right. God's knowable. We can know God. We will never know all there is to know about God. But there's always more to know about God. And what I know about God for the moment I'm in is enough God to get me through that moment. It was some version of that that I recall, right? Okay, so, and who's going to, who is going to stand as the cross-examiner for all the stuff the world's peddling if the church, and I mean church, I'm talking about me and you now, right? We're gonna do that. We, this, is, this is what we're called to do. All right, believe it or not, that's the first S. They go faster. Settle the issue, see in the spirit, swim laps, persistent. Um, now we'll get to the endurance part. The endurance part of this cycle is the stand firm. Stand firm. Anybody use the Bible? If you use the Bible, if you use the Bible app, uh, the U version, and it was one day this week, might have been yesterday, it was Micah 7 7. And, uh, and then, you know, after it kind of gives you the verse, then, it, then someone kind of pops on a little video and they kind of talk about that verse a little bit. Part of Micah 7 7 said, um, I watch in hope. And, and the commentator was making this point that saying Micah is writing in a very devastating part of Israel's history. And yet, after all the doom and gloom, it says, I watch and hope. And he said that when, and then when you, kind of, when you parse that word out, it really means that I'm leaning forward with hope. And boy, that just got me. Right? In sports, on a lot of occasions, they'll tell that when, when someone gets, like, for instance, if you're an infielder and a ball gets hit at you, they might say it ate you up. 
It ate you up, right? It got you on your heels. When you're on your heels, you're easily knocked off balance. Get you on your heels, you're responding to what's in front of you, okay? But when I'm leaning into a situation with hope, I'm standing firm. It's gonna be much more difficult for you to knock me off my base like this than if I'm like this. And how many times we find situations that are empty and we find ourselves like this instead of leaning in with hope, right? So the standing firm is a posture that we take on the truth of Christ. It's not coming out of my own strength, but I am having to learn how to do this. I'm having to learn that when it comes at me, you might take the first punch, but that first punch doesn't keep you from leaning back into standing firm, standing firm in Christ. Here's 1 Peter 5. Peter's telling us, be sober, well-balanced, and self-disciplined. Be alert and cautious at all times. Why? Good reason. The enemy, that enemy of yours, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, fiercely hungry, seeking someone to devour. But resist him. Be firm in your faith against his attack, attacks, rooted, established, immovable. Knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being experienced by your brothers and sisters throughout the world, you do not suffer alone. Right? Case in point here. Um, when you feel alone, you generally feel weaker when you feel alone. And one of, the, one of the feelings the enemy wants you to feel in empty circumstances is, right, that you're alone. That you're alone, woe is me, why me, I'm in this, blah, blah, blah. Okay? And so, and so what Peter's trying to tell us here is, this, the, your circumstances, some, this is for someone very specific today, your circumstances is not unique to you. Now that's not to say it's not hard, and it's not to belittle you in any form or fashion. But it's that your circumstance is not unique to you, which means if it's not unique to you, the Lord already has hope for that. He's not trying to figure this out. He's not trying to figure out your situation. He's not trying to figure a way out for you. So you can face that situation on your heels, or you can face it standing firm, leaning in with hope, right? Because our hope is in a person. It's not an outcome, and it's not even the process. This is a hard one. It's not even the process in which he takes to get you to full. It's in him. It's completely in him. So he goes on, uh, after you've suffered for a little while, ouch, thank you very much, the God of all grace who imparts his blessing and favor, who called you his own to his own eternal glory in Christ, will himself complete, confirm, strengthen, and establish you, making you what you ought to be, implying that this process of having to stand firm and leaning in with hope is what will actually shape you, right? So, so look, here's our part. It was be sober. Put it, put it on the screen for me so I don't have to go back to my notes. It was be sober, be alert, be cautious, preparatory. So I'm ready. We are responsible for the ready portion of this. Be ready. When we're ready, that's pregame. That's the moment before the moment. The moment is now when it comes. Now, what do I do in the moment? Well, I trust what I've done in this process. I've been sober. I've been diligent. Okay, now this comes. Don't let it put you on your heels. I'm ready. I've done my part. I've prepared. I'm boom. All right, now, now I resist. Resist is pushing back. Doesn't mean you don't get pushed back, but it means you push back. Doesn't matter if you take the first blow. It matters who's the left one sta- last one standing. You with me? So now I'm, I'm leaning in. I'm, I'm resisting. I'm staying firm. Well, what does God do in all this? Well, he completes us, confirms us, strengthens us, establishes us. This is what he does in the process. 
So this is not random. It's not purposeless. God does what he does in the middle of this. What the enemy always means for harm, God always used for the salvation of many. It doesn't matter where it's coming from, what motivated it, what started it. What, what it none, none of that stuff is worth any of our time or attention. The wise just take away time of getting set and ready. There'll be time for the wise. Let's wait till the fight's over and then go back and do a, a, whatever they will call it, on an autopsy or whatever, and figure it out and then change it next time. Um, all right. Last one. Share. The last S in the cycle of hope can be the most overlooked. Amazingly enough, your hope grows the more you share it with others. Consequently, by sharing your hope, your hope and their hope will grow. Where will people get hope today if it's not from you and I? So I like, I like, I like reading the, um, all the, a lot of the articles on the stock app. If you have iPhones, there's a, there's a standard app that for, for stocks. And then when you click it, it will, it will give you a bunch of articles. And I, I read a lot of them uh, almost every day, I'm embarrassed to say. But what, they're hilarious. You know, market, market takes drastic turn, optimism, rides high. 12 hours later, Fed speaks, economy tanks, right? I mean, and, and, then, and then you read it before I go to bed, and it's like, futures tick higher over bank strength. I mean, it's just so ridiculous. It's so all over the map. Who's right? Probably all of them at one time, right? And you say, even a broken clock, they say, is right twice a day, right? So, so, so where, is, where is my hope going to sit? Where is the people's hope going to come from if it doesn't come from you and I? That's why how we live matters more than just us. Here's the passage of Scripture for this. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Put in your heart, but in your hearts, reveal Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give them the reason for the hope that you have but do this with gentleness and respect. So it begs a number of questions there. Do you have any hope? Is it recognizable? See, it doesn't say always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the, the, the number of angels that dance on the head of a pen. It doesn't say, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you, is Christ returning pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib? Right, because a lot of times, well, Pastor, I don't share my faith because I'm not confident enough in my faith. What you're really telling me is you 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 don't believe you have all the answers for the questions they might pose. Get in line. Most of the time, the questions they pose aren't the questions they're asking. You have to listen. You have to ask good questions, and eventually, you will get to the questions they're really asking. And what they really want is hope. And if you have it. Be confident in it. You don't have to pass a seminary class in it. <laughs> They've noticed hope. Let them know where it came from. If you don't have all the answers to the questions, that's on them. My responsibility is to have enough understanding of the hope that I have that I can share with you. Now, I promise you that is also something that takes practice. It takes practice. I have to be ready to tell 
of the hope that I have inside of me. There has to be some core elements to this that I can tell you. I want to be able to tell you who I was before Christ. I want to be able to tell you what, where the change came and what were the circumstances around it. And I want to be able to tell you how I'm different now than I was then. That's what they want to know. They don't want a seminary class either. They don't want you to break out a book, give them a reading list. You can get to that, but man, they're after what's going on in here. So um, Friday, we were working trees. Trees got here late, but there was plenty of stuff to do. So Gina are out working trees. So we got our buyer tree change life shirt on. Funny tidbit on Friday, at the end of the day, my, my phone, the health app, it said I'd walk like 9,654 steps. And then it said, congratulations, you've walked 5,420 more steps than you did yesterday. <laughs> it tells you my exercise level. We walk into Jersey Mike's on Franklin Road, wearing our bio-life bio wealth. You know, when you have it that big on a shirt, someone asks you, right? So the manager, we assumed it was a manager, was asked. So tell us what that is. Well, Gina goes and tells them what we're doing and, uh, and what we do it for and all that. And he kind of gets kind of real excited. And he said, hey, would you pray for... It was Ariel, wasn't it? It's in my phone. Ariel, young woman, young, single, pregnant, 19-year-old that fell at work and is in a, and had a, a major concussion. Would you pray for Ariel? I'm like, you bet you will pray for Ariel. So a little bit later, another worker comes up and talks to him. He says, hey, how much are your trees? Well, I just went in the tree salesman mode. I've got them all memorized, right? They're 40, 60, 90, you know. And he said, oh, okay. She, was, she said, I just need a little one. It's, it's just, you know, I just ran a room somewhere. I just need a little one. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's the price. So I sit there, we're eating my cheesesteak, and I'm like, that was not the right answer. So I went up to the manager, and I said, um, I think you said single, single mom on her, too. And I, he said, yeah. I said, hey, just tell her to come by. Tree's on us. He said, well, that's really nice. I went, no, it's not. The world's full of nice people. I went nice. I said it was obedient. So that's, that's what obedience looks like. And yesterday afternoon, sales slot, Kaylee came by and got her tree and her stand. Ah, that's something small. Yeah, maybe. Maybe not. Wouldn't be the first person that walked on this lot for two weeks before Thanksgiving and found hope in Christ because someone was willing to share it. Say, you, you, you don't have to go get a bullhorn, paint yourself silver, and walk up down Broadway. Now, you can if you want, but I'm going to avoid you. <laughs> but you can be prepared to give a reason for the hope that's inside of you and be prepped and ready to go when someone asks you what that was. How, do you, how, are, how are you dealing with that? How, you know, this is the kind of things we're talking about. So we settle the issues, we see in the spirit, we swim laps, we, we uh, stand firm, and we share. And I really think that that is a good pattern of discipleship and a good pattern of becoming a person of hope. And I just, I live that, I live through that cycle. And every time I go through that cycle, I get stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. I become more hope-filled, living more hopeful every time. And um, I'm sure there's a hundred other things you can do. Uh, I, it takes me a, a while to get to a hundred. So five I can get to. Five I can get to. And that's what's in front of us. Um, we're going to receive... Uh, communion today.
as a response to this message. Gentlemen, yeah, come and, come and take your place and get ready. We're going to, you know, communion's available every Sunday on our left and right. And then um, every once, four or six weeks, then we'll, we receive it as a body. Um, there'll be a plate that will be passed. There's two cups. There's two cups in the tray. They're, they're nested together. You're going to take both cups out. The top cup contains the juice that's, that represents the, the blood of Christ. The bottom cup has a... Um, a gluten-free little cracker, and that represents the body of Christ. Um, this, this is called a sacrament. This is something that Christ did and then told us to continue to do in remembrance of what he's done for us. It is a proclamation of his death and his resurrection. And I can't explain to you how juice in a cracker does that. I can explain to you what obedience to Christ does. Um, this is his, this is the anchor of the hope that we have. That he went to a cross and he died for us and he rose again so that we could die to ourselves and live in him. And each time we partake of this, it solidifies it more and more. And I would say in a lot of cases, it refreshes our soul when we take in Christ. So as they pass the trays, the team is going to lead us in worship. I ask you to hold, hold the cup until everyone's served, and I'll come back and we'll minister communion. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. Again, to learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, find us online at gatewayfranklin.com. Thanks for joining us today.